Part One, Chapter Three of Bessie's Fortune by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Three, Lucy. She was five years older than her sister Geraldine, and between the two there had been a brother, Robert or Robin, as he was familiarly called, a little blue-eyed, golden-haired boy with a face always wreathed in smiles and a mouth which seemed made to kiss and be kissed in return. He was three years younger than Lucy who having been petted so long as the only child looked somewhat askance at the brother who had come to interfere with her and as he grew older and developed that wonderful beauty and winning sweetness for which he was so remarkable the demon of jealousy took possession of the little girl who felt at times as if she hated him for the beauty she envied so much oh i wish he was blind she once said in anger when his soft blue eyes had been extolled in her hearing and compared with her own which were black as midnight and bright as the wintry stars and as if in answer to her wish an accident occurred not long after which darkened for ever the eyes which had caused her so much annoyance just how it happened no one knew the two children had been playing in the dining-room when a great crash was heard and a wild cry and robin was found upon the floor screaming with agony while near him lay a broken cup which had contained a quantity of red pepper which the housemaid had left upon the sideboard until ready to replenish the castor lucy was crying too with pain for the fiery powder was in her eyes also but she had not received as much as robin who from that hour never again saw the light of day there were weeks of fearful suffering when the little hands were tied to keep them from the eyes which the poor baby who was only two years and a half old said bite robin so bad and which when at last the pain had ceased and the inflammation subsided were found to be hopelessly blind 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 oh robin i wish i was dead lucy had exclaimed when they told her the sad news and with a bitter cry she threw herself beside her brother on his little bed and sobbed piteously oh robbie robbie you must not be blind can't you see me just a little try robbie you must see me you must slowly the lids unclosed and the sightless eyes turned upward toward the white face above them and then lucy saw there was no hope the beautiful blue she had so envied in her wicked moods was burned out leaving only a bloodshot whitish mass which would never again in this world see her or any other object no sister the little boy said i can't see oo now it marts some yet but bime by i see oo don't die and the little hand was raised and groped to find the bowed head of the girl weeping in such agony beside him what for oo tie so i see oo bime by he persisted as lucy made no reply but wept on until her strength was exhausted and she was taken from the room in a state of unconsciousness which resulted in a low nervous fever from which she did not recover until robbie was as well as he ever would be and his voice was heard again through the house in baby laughter for he had not yet learned what it was to be blind and helpless lucy had said when questioned with regard to the accident that she had climbed up in a chair to get some sugar for herself and robin from the bowl on the shelf of the sideboard that she saw the cup of pepper and took it up to see what it was and let it drop from her hand directly into the face of robin who was looking up at her thus she was answerable for his blindness and she grew suddenly old beyond her years and devoted herself to her brother with a solicitude and care marvellous in one so young for she was not yet six years old i must be his eyes always as long as i live she said and she seldom left his side or allowed another to care for him in the least 
he slept in a little cot near hers she undressed him at night and dressed him in the morning and gave him his breakfast always selecting the daintiest bits for him and giving him the larger share of everything together they wandered in the park she leading him by the hand and telling him where they were or carrying him in her arms when the way was rough and then when she put him down always kissing him tenderly while on her face was a look of sadness pitiful to see in one so young when she was seven years old and robin four her mother who had been an invalid ever since the birth of geraldine died and that made lucy's burden still heavier to bear they told her her mother would not live till night and with a look on her face such as a martyr might wear when going to the stake lucy put robin from her and going to her mother's room asked to be left alone with her there is something i must tell her i cannot let her die until i do she said and so the watchers went out and left the mother and child together what lucy had to tell no one knew but when at the going down of the sun the mother was dying lucy's head was upon her neck and so long as life remained the pale hands smoothed the dark tresses of the sobbing girl and the white lips whispered softly god bless my little lucy he knows it all he can forgive all try to be happy and never forsake poor robbie never mother never was lucy's reply and she kept the vow to the letter becoming mother sister nurse and teacher all in one to the little blind robin who loved her in return with all the intensity of his nature it was the wish of mr gray that lucy should be sent to school with children of her age but she objected strongly as it would take her so much from robin so a governess was employed in the house and whatever lucy learned she repeated to her brother who drank in her lessons so eagerly that he soon became her equal in everything except the power to read and write particularly was he interested in the countries of europe which he hoped to visit some day in company with his sister not that i can ever see them he said but i shall know just how they look because you will describe them so vividly and i can hear the dash of the sea at naples and feel the old pavements in pompeii and the hot lava of vesuvius and oh perhaps we shall go to the holy land and stand just where christ once stood and you will see the hills he looked upon and the spot on which he suffered and i shall be so glad and somehow feel nearer to him and oh if he could be there as he was once a man you know i'd cry to him louder than ever old bartimus did and tell him i was a little blind boy from america but that i loved him and wanted him to make me see and he would i know such were the dreams of the enthusiastic boy but they were never to be realized always delicate as a child he grew more and more so as he became older so that at last all mental labour was put aside and when he was sixteen and lucy nineteen they took him to st augustine where he could hear the moan of the sea and fancy it was the mediterranean in far-off italy lucy was of course with him and made him see everything with her eyes and took him to the old fort and led him upon the sea-wall and through the narrow streets and out beneath the orange trees where he liked best to sit and feel the soft warm air upon his face and inhale the sweet perfume of the southern flowers but all this did not give him strength on the contrary the hectic flush on his cheek deepened daily his hands grew thinner and paler and the eyelids seemed to droop more heavily over the sightless eyes robin was going to die and he knew it and talked of it freely with his sister and of heaven where christ would make him whole it will be such joy to see he said to her one night when they sat together by the window of his room with the silvery moonlight falling on his beautiful face and making it like the face of an angel such joy to see again 
and the very first one i shall look at after christ and mother will be the old blind bartimus who sat by the roadside and begged i have not had to do that and my life has been very very happy for you have been my eyes and made me see everything you know i have a faint recollection of the grass and the flowers and the trees in the park and that has helped me so much and i have you in my mind too and you are so lovely i know for i have heard people talk of your sweet face and beautiful eyes starry eyes i have heard them called oh robbie robbie don't came like a cry of pain from lucy's quivering lips but robin did not heed her and went on starry eyes that's just what they are i think and i can imagine how lovingly they look at me and how pityingly too there is always something so sad in your voice when you speak to me and i say to myself that's how lucy's eyes look at me just as her voice sounds when it says brother robbie i shall know you in heaven the moment you come and i shall be waiting for you and when i see your eyes i shall say that is sister lucy come at last oh it will be such joy no night no blindness no pain and you with me again as you have been here only there i shall be the guide and lead you through the green pastures beside the still waters where never fading flowers are blooming sweeter than the orange blossoms near our window lucy was sobbing hysterically with her head in his lap while he smoothed the dark braids of her hair and tried to comfort her by asking if she ought not to be glad that he was going where there was no more night for him and where she too would join him in a little while it is not that lucy cried though it breaks my heart to think of you gone for ever how can i live without you what shall i do when my expiatory work is finished expiatory work robin repeated questioningly what do you mean what have you to expiate you the noblest most unselfish sister in the world much much oh robbie i cannot let you die with this upon my mind even if the confession turn your love for me into hate and you do love me i have made your life a little less sad than it might have been but for me yes sister you have made my life so full of happiness that darkened as it is i would like to cling to it longer though i know heaven is so much better thank you robbie thank you for that lucy said then lifting up her head and looking straight into her brother's face she continued you say you have a faint recollection of the grass and the flowers and the trees in the park have you also any remembrance however slight how i looked when we were little children playing together at home i don't know for sure robin replied while for an instant a deep flush stained his pale cheeks i don't know for sure sometimes out of those dim shadows of the past which i have struggled so hard to retain there comes a vision of a little girl or rather there is a picture which comes before my mind more distinct than the grass and the trees and the flowers though i always try to put it away but it repeats itself over and over again and i see it in my dreams so vividly and especially of late when life is slipping from me what is the picture lucy said and her face was whiter than the one above her it is this robin replied i seem to see myself looking up with outstretched arms toward a little girl who is standing above me looking down at me with a face which cannot cannot be the one i shall welcome to heaven and know as my sisters for this in the picture has a cruel expression on it and there is hatred in the eyes which are so large and black and stare so fixedly at me then there is a crash and darkness and a horrible pain and loud cries and the eyes fade away in the blackness and i know no more till you are sobbing over me and begging me to say that i can see you i remember that i am sure or else it has been told to me so often that it seems as if i did 
but the other the face above me is all a fancy and a delusion of the brain you never looked at me that way never could here he paused and the girl beside him withdrew herself from him and clasping her hands tightly together knelt abjectly at his feet as she said oh robbie robbie my darling if you could know with what shame and anguish and remorse i am kneeling before you you would pity and perhaps forgive me when i have told you what i must tell you now but don't touch me don't put your hands upon me for that would quite unnerve me she continued as she saw the thin hands groping to find her sit quite still and listen and then if you do not loathe me with a loathing unutterable call me sister once more and that will be enough the old cathedral clock was striking twelve when that interview ended and when it struck the hour of midnight again robin gray lay dead in the room which looked toward the sea and the soft wind sweet with the perfume of roses and orange blossoms kissed his white face and stirred the thick curls of golden hair clustering about his brow as is often the case with consumptives his death had been sudden at the last so sudden that lucy scarcely realized that he was dying until she held him dead upon her bosom but so long as life lasted he kept repeating her name in accents of unutterable tenderness and love lucy lucy my precious sister god bless you for all you have been to me and comfort you when i am gone darling darling lucy i love you so much lucy 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 where are you you must not leave me give me your hand till i reach the river bank where the angels are waiting for me i can see them and the beautiful city over the dark river though i can't see you but i shall in heaven and i am almost there good-bye good-bye lucy it almost seemed as if he were calling to her from the other world for death came and froze her name upon his lips which never moved again and lucy's work was done other hands than hers cared for the dead body which was embalmed and then sent to its northern home there were crowds of people at the church where the funeral was held and where robin had been baptized the son of captain gray was worthy of respect and the citizens turned out en masse so there was scarcely standing room in the aisles for all who came to see the last of robin very touchingly the rector spoke of the deceased whose short life had been so pure and holy and then he eulogized the sister who had devoted herself so unselfishly to the helpless brother and who he said could have nothing to regret nothing to wish undone so absolute and entire had been her sacrifice hitherto lucy sat as rigid as a stone but as she listened to her own praises she moved uneasily in her seat and once put up her hand deprecatingly as if imploring him to stop when at last the services were over and the curious ones had taken their last look at the dead and the undertaker came forward to close the coffin lid her mind which had been strained to its utmost gave way and not realizing what she did or meant to do she arose suddenly and gliding swiftly past her father stepped to the side of the coffin and throwing back her heavy crape veil stooped and kissed the eyelids of her brother saying as she did so dear robbie can you see me now and do you know what i am going to do there was a glitter in her eyes which told that she was half crazed and her father arose to lead her to her seat beside him but she waved him back authoritatively and in a clear distinct voice which rang like a bell through the church said to the astonished people wait a little there is something i must tell you i have tried to put it away but i cannot my brain is on fire and will never be cool again until i confess by robbie's coffin 
then you may judge me as you please it will make no difference for i shall have done my duty and ceased to live a lie for my life has been one long series of hypocrisies and deceit our clergyman has described me as a saint worthy of a martyr's crown and some of you believe him and look upon the care i gave to robbie as something unheard of and wonderful and i have let you think so and felt myself the veriest hypocrite that ever breathed don't you know that what i did was done in expiation of a crime a horrid cruel deed for i put out robbie's eyes i made him blind i knew you would shudder and turn from me in loathing she continued in a louder clearer tone as she felt the thrill of surprise which ran through the assembly and grew more and more excited but it is the truth i tell you i put out those beautiful eyes of which i was so envious because the people praised them so much i could not bear it and the demon of jealousy had full possession of me young as i was and sometimes when i saw him preferred to me i wished him dead dead just as he is now oh robbie my heart is breaking with agony and shame but i must go on i must tell how i hated you and the pretty baby ways which made you so attractive and when i climbed up in the chair after the lumps of sugar and saw the cup of cayenne pepper and you standing below me with wide open eyes and outstretched hands asking me to give the devil took possession of me and whispered that now was my chance to ruin those eyes looking up so eagerly at me i had heard that red pepper would make one blind and-and-oh horror how can i tell the rest lucy's voice was like a wailing cry of agony as covering her white face with her hands she went on i held the cup toward robbie and said is this what you want and when in his ignorance he answered yes give me some i dropped it into his hands saying to myself it is not my fault if he gets it in his eyes you know the rest how from that moment he never looked on me or any one again but you do not cannot know the anguish and remorse which filled my soul when i realized what i had done from that day to the hour of robbie's death there has never been a moment when i would not have given my sight yes my life for his and that is why i have been the devoted sister as you have called me i was trying to atone and i did a little robbie told me so for i confessed it all to him before he died i told him how vile i was and he forgave me and he loved me just the same and went to sleep with my name on his lips i can see it there now the formation of the word lucy and it will be the first he utters when he welcomes me to heaven if i am permitted to enter there i have made this confession because i thought i ought that you might not think me better than i am i know you will despise me but it does not matter robbie forgave and loved me to the last and that alone will keep me from going mad she ceased speaking and with a low gasping sob fell forward into the arms of her father who had stepped to her side in time to receive her it was a blustering march day when they buried robert gray in the cemetery at allington while his sister who had been taken directly from the church to her home lay unconscious in her room only moaning occasionally and whispering of robbie whose eyes she had put out people will hate me always she said when after weeks of brain fever she was herself again but in this she was mistaken for the people who knew her best loved her most and as the years went on and all felt the influence of her pure stainless unselfish life 
they came to esteem her as almost a saint and no house was complete which had not in it some likeness of the sad but inexpressibly sweet face which had a smile for every one and which was oftenest seen in the cheerless houses where hunger and sickness were there lucy gray was a ministering angel and the good she did could never be told in words but was known and felt by those who never breathed the prayer which did not have in it a thought of her and a wish for her happiness when gray was first laid in her arms and she saw in his great blue eyes a look like those other eyes hidden beneath the coffin lid she felt as if robbie had come back to her and there awoke within her a love for the child greater even than his own mother felt for him and yet so wholly unselfish was her nature that she never mourned or uttered a word of protest when as the boy grew older he evinced a preference for the farmhouse and the pasture rather than for the grand old place at gray's park where since her sister's marriage and her father's death she had lived alone hannah needs him more than i do she would say to herself but her sweet face was always brighter and in her great black eyes there was a softer light when she knew he was coming to break the monotony of her lonely life after her marriage geraldine did not often honour allington with her presence it was far too quiet there to suit her and lucy lived too much the life of a recluse no little breakfasts no lunches no evening parties at which she could display her elegant paris costumes nothing except now and then a stupid dinner-party to which the rector and his wife were invited and that detestable miss macpherson who said such rude things and told her her complexion was not what it used to be and that she looked older than her sister lucy miss macpherson was an abomination and going to the country was a bore but still geraldine felt obliged to visit allington occasionally and especially on thanksgiving day when it is expected that the sons and daughters of new england will return to the old home and grow young again under the roof which sheltered their childhood and so on the morning when our story properly opens mr and mrs burton gerald and their son gray a well-grown lad of fourteen left their home on beacon street and with crowds of other city people took the train for the country to keep the festal day End of chapter three